I will call the, uh, the Peace River Town Council regular meeting Monday, February 24, 2020 to order. The record show that we're starting three minutes after five. Uh, councilors should have an agenda in front of them. Are there any deletions to be had, Mr. Town? There's not, Your Worship. And is, are there do, any, uh, did I already ask about deletions? Uh, yes, you did. Additions. I didn't ask about additions. There are no additions or deletions, Your Worship. Uh, I will take a motion to adopt the agenda as presented. Mr. Mr. Good, all in favor? Uh, in favor. There are a set of minutes from February the 10th, 2020 regular council meeting. Um, uh, people had an opportunity to go through that and uh, have they found any errors, omissions, etc., etc.? Oh, a question. Just a question may not be changed. It was not the motion that was sent out to us, but when looking at it yesterday, uh, which was where pursue proposal be in the administration begin preparing the transfer documents to be brought back for ratification. Would that be to, for consideration and ratification? Because I'm just you, wondering if you it mean ratification be. assumes it's happening. Well, it kind of does, and. Um, I think it was going to be brought back for, I mean, maybe to brought back as a motion to ratify, in which case it'd be a pass or fail, but I'm just wondering if it would be better to put in consideration of ratification there, because it seems to me that there was that component to it. I could be wrong. Sure. That's certainly possible to make that amendment, sir. The uh, original text was something for us to look at. Right. And you're right, consideration fits that more accurately. Okay, so I would say consideration. Um, brought back for consideration because to say if you're going to bring it back to ratify it, you've already sort of assumed the ratification. Unless you can do that. Huh? Unless you can do that. Yeah. Okay. And that's a special council meeting? Yes, that's a special council meeting. Okay, so that's the one after. Uh, well, that's motion 20-02-059. On the next one. Do we want? Do we have to do this separately? Yeah, we should do. They're this two separate, separate meetings. Okay, well, I'll I'll move the the tenth minutes, and then okay. we'll talk about the eleventh. Okay, all in favor? Okay, uh, so there's a a request to uh, change one particular motion to insert the word consideration in the okay. motion. So, are, are, I would replace the word ratification. the word ratification to consideration it uh, reads move to accept the minutes of the February 11th 2020 special council meeting as amended colon replace the word ratification with consideration can you, can you read back the, the entire motion <coughs> I can I can if it's like I have that right here. Recording So motion 2002059 will read, Councillor Scamahorn moved that council pursue proposal B and direct administration to begin preparing the airport transfer documents to be bought, brought back to a future meeting for consideration. Okay, fair enough. All in favor? As amended. 
I'm considering my vote, Your Worship. Okay. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's a bit of a moot point, no, Councillor Needham. It is. I, I, I'm in favor of uh, Mr. Good's scrap work. Okay. I'm in favor of this. Very good. So we passed the February 11th Special Council meeting minutes. Are there any public hearings to be had, Mr. Town? There is no your worship. Any presentations to be made? Um, there are. There will be a budget presentation, but that will happen after we do bylaws this evening. Any bylaws to be entertained? There. Yep. So there is a bylaw before uh, council. Um, bylaw 2068, which staff have returned to council as there was a incorrect um, reference in the previous bylaw that was approved a couple meetings back. So staff, we uh, we tried to repeal um, a bylaw that had already been repealed. Um, in municipal affairs terms, uh, you know they're they're not really in favor of. <coughs> Of that, so we returned the bar. Well, does a double appeal and make a positive? <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't ask that question. I mean, from a mathematical perspective, absolutely. Um, so, this is a simple. Two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> this is a simple uh, revision. Um, whereas before we had referenced bylaw 2018, we are now referencing the proper bylaw to be repealed, which is 2050. Um, and are seeking counsel to provide first, second, and third readings to the bylaw 2068 that is provided, which will allow us to continue to enact our line of credit with our financial institution. Okay. Can we do this according to the law of double jeopardy now while we're playing with all the... <laughs> Go for it. Okay, well, I'm gonna do it anyway. So I, I, I move that we repeal the proper bylaw. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. That well, I tried. Sorry. Next. So, which bylaw are we appealing? We're looking for first, second, and third reading of bylaw twenty sixty-eight. Okay. So, uh, who's making the motion for first reading of bylaw twenty sixty-eight? <laughs> Screwed up the last one. I don't know if you want me to try. <laughs> Mr. Good. All in favor. In favor? Who wants to? I will do second reading of uh, bylaw 2068. All in favor of Mr. Councilor Williams' motion? In favor. Motion to go to third reading. All in favor of uh, Councilor Ford's motion? And who's going to uh, lay down the coup d'etat? I will. Okay, coup de grace. Okay, all in favor of uh, uh, Deputy Mayor's motion to. It was to repeal 2068. But or well, to approve. Approve. It was to amend. Okay. Repeal and amend are two separate items under the NGA. Does municipal affairs go through these podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sir, but you may now be confident that we are not going to present our bank with two identical uh, loan documents. Okay. Therefore, uh, we're now uh, on okay. the financial straight and narrow once more. In compliance. Okay. Very good. Uh, that will take us to unfinished business, and that uh, deals with budget, budget deliberations, is my understanding, Mr. Town. That's correct. So as part of our um, budget deliberations and um, whatnot, this is a chance for us to invite um, 
organizations that we support. Um, and in the past, council has had the library in as an organization they were able to uh, discuss and ask questions of. Uh, future meetings will have Chamber of Commerce, and I believe there's a, a second one, but I forget who. Um, but tonight we have Rotary House to come in and provide their State of the Union or, or annual update or whatnot. Um, so we'll, we'll let them do that, and that'll give them the ability to get in and out before Council gets into the other deliberation items that we'll be discussing tonight, which will be um, more tangible um, financial uh, items and decision packages that we will to um, try to approve and move along in the process. So are we inviting Messrs. Um, Tanman, Van Tanman, and Rhodes to the speaker's table? Yes, please. This would be their opportunity to, to come in and discuss and offer council the ability to ask questions. I'm assuming the red light means it's on. Yep. Correct. Well, thank you for uh, your, your invitation for us to uh, present. You're one of our uh, our key uh, partners in uh, Peace River Rotary House, and we feel it's important to bring you up to date on uh, what we're doing and uh, the progress we've made over the, the last year and where we're going in the near future. So uh, we've got a bit of a presentation. I believe that's on everyone's screen. Um, well, it's online now, so. Yeah. There's a little bit of a history of when we started in 2012. It took us uh, 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 took us a little over five years to uh, assemble the funds to actually build uh, the, the facility. Uh, we've had uh, a partial year of operation and a full year of operation now. Uh, and uh, so we're going forward. Um, I think everyone knows what this is. It's a secure uh, temporary accommodations for uh, general public on the main floor and uh, secure uh, uh, accommodations for Alberta Health Services people on the uh, top floor and we keep the two people groups of people separate so that's that's the um, that's uh, the picture of the building in, in, in the springtime there's the donors wall most of you have probably been to our open house and saw the donors wall where recognition of donors various levels of donors and we call it the legacy wall it came out pretty nice we were quite, quite pleased with that <coughs> the main floor sitting room uh, where we had the wine and cheese uh, off to the side here uh, on the right side of the the picture of course we have a kitchen and a kind of a dining a dining area here's the kitchen uh, the nice thing about the, the kitchen is that uh, there are four uh, rooms on the, on the uh, main floor and there are four rooms on the, on the top floor. Uh, each, for, and there's two kitchens, so each of the kitchens have their own lockers for food. Uh, they, sh they share a fridge, but uh, each have a, a lockable locker. The um, main floor bedrooms, uh, two beds uh, to a room. Uh, and uh, there is uh, four rooms and, and uh, two of the rooms have adjoining doors so that if we have large families uh, they can can use both 
both rooms. Uh, the second floor is, this, uh, is for uh, Alberta Health Services. It has a smaller sitting room. Uh, and uh, so there's a, a picture of the, the sitting room as it is right now. Uh, and then adjoining that, you can see right here, is the uh, dining area and the same sort of kitchen, same layout as, as, as on the main floor. On the uh, upper floor too, we also have an exercise room. Uh, because uh, sometimes uh, staff are there for a lengthy period of time. And second floor bedrooms. So uh, we did a partial year and then we did uh, a partial year, I think it was what, two, three months? Two months. And then we did, we've uh, had a full year of operation. Uh, October, uh, we've had, uh, just so you're aware, We've had a really good uptake from uh, Alberta Health, and, and there's going to be another slide here to show the numbers. But uh, Alberta Health uh, Care is uh, using the facility um, actually beyond their, their capacity. So this that is suggests uh, to me, Mr. Rhodes, that you're underpricing the facility because they're always looking for a deal, aren't they? Well, <laughs> you actually help that. Uh, <laughs> So here's the numbers on the, uh, on the on the floor. We have the public use, and then we have the Alberta Health uh, on the second floor. And we made a decision early in the year that if uh, the public wasn't using the bottom, we would open that up for Alberta Health. And uh, so uh, some of the people who were not concerned about uh, uh, the same level of security, uh, students, uh, uh, nurses, and, and, and whatnot. So we've been leasing out the first floor as well in order to get revenue from, from, from that. So there's the numbers, and, and you can see here um, uh, pretty significant numbers, especially from, um, from Alberta Health. Uh, they were on site from, from the start. So why, why, uh, why have the numbers gone up now? Why have they? Yeah, what, yeah what, what's uh, driving the numbers up? It's just their, their, their usage. They, they pretty much uh, came to full usage uh, right from the start, and, and it varies depending on whether they have groups of students coming through or not. Uh, the, uh, so there's groups of students, there's locums, uh, there's the specialists, there's, uh, the, you know, there's virtually all of the Alberta Health. Uh, so Dr. Dave Willicks's uh, concept of it being a training center, uh, a, a center of excellence is coming to fruition then. There's a lot of use from students, yes. Particularly the students. Good. Um, now, uh, <clears throat> the, the public use, of course, is not from Peace River. The public use is from the surrounding area. And, and I'm going to relate, uh, we, we were in front of the uh, council in Manning uh, in, I can't remember, November, December. And uh, actually, we, we began the presentation, and they had uh, 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 all knew of an instance of a, a young woman there who had used a facility for a difficult pregnancy and uh, had come back with glowing reports, and, and virtually the whole town knew about it. Um, uh, so we've, we've asked her for a referral and uh, to put on the, on the Facebook, and, and that's yet to come. But uh, Fort McMillian, Fort Vermillion, uh, Fort McLeod, High Prairie, Valley View, Edmonton, Edmonton and, and uh, Fort McLeod out of the area, but they were there because of family in, in, in the hospital. 
Um, of course, we're um, we're applying to uh, to get into the casino in Grand Prairie. That's uh, that, that's in progress. Uh, second year of operation, we'll continue to see uh, increase in, in the public. Uh, like I say, the awareness was there from the start with Alberta Health. It hasn't been with the public, and and uh, we have uh, taken some some steps to rectify that. Um, So uh, we've started a Facebook campaign uh, using uh, uh, paid ads, but that is just now. Uh, we've emailed local governments, we do that twice a year, uh, to uh, send out uh, flyers and, and just open up a discussion if they want more information or us to provide more information to anyone that they want to direct us towards. Uh, and of course we have uh, flyers that we've been posting in, in, in uh, hospitals and medical clinics throughout the region. Um, I guess we should pass this. Uh, we still have some unknowns in our 2020 budget. Uh, there is a bit of a shortfall. Uh, any support from the, from the neighboring uh, municipalities to help us close this gap. So we've been out to the, the neighboring municipalities. Uh, this is actually the last group uh, we've come to talk to. Um, we, I think we started in December, but there was some issue in December. Um, and just so you know who's involved on the, on the board, uh, I'm co-chair along with Kelly Whalen. Uh, Dave Van Tamlin is our treasurer. Uh, secretary is Renee Bench. Uh, she's uh, going to be retiring from, from that uh, position here uh, this year. Uh, public member at large is uh, someone that you all know, Terry Sacha. Okay, uh, I'll open it up for any questions. Uh, I know that was kind of a whirlwind tour. So you mentioned shortfall. Do you want to get into some details now? That's why we have the treasurer, Dave Van Tamlin. How's this? So <clears throat> we're still, the budgeting is still quite an exploratory exercise um, based on our first year's operation. Um, the budget that we put in place in November for 2020, I think we were looking at about a $45,000 shortfall. Now that includes that we didn't at that point include anything from the town's ongoing support for um, medical services on behalf of AHS. So if we presume the same level of support from the town as has been the case in previous years, that's 24,000. So that net shortfall in the 2020 budget is about $20,000. Um, a lot of pretty soft numbers. The finalization of a long-term lease agreement with North Peace Housing Foundation is still a work in progress. And until that's locked down, there are some moving parts that we're working, working with estimates and, and notions. But um, it's, at this point in time, um, 
I think it would be safe to say it were, were viable. Um, we are kind of your delivery agent for the AHS services that the town has been supporting for, I believe, quite some time before, you know, the accommodation arrangements. And it's, it is kind of mission critical to us that, that the town's support continue. So wherever that, that fits in your budget world, um, it was $2,000 a month or 24,000 for uh, 2019. And um, we're operating on the assumption that, that that support will continue and that the, the level of uptake we're seeing from AHS personnel using the facility some of the, the visions behind what this facility would accomplish in terms of medical staff and medical services are being realized. So um, we need to secure, make sure that's in place and then we'll carry on working with the other bits and pieces. So your request of us is uh, $24,000? Um, about 25,000 <laughs> inflation being what it is and you know we, we can this is not a Middle Eastern bazaar we're establishing a new relationship here and going forward we have to be careful we don't sort of fall into the trap of 24 24 24 24 boy inflation has snuck up on us we need I think it would be prudent to think in terms of small annual adjustments rather than just sit on it the way it is and then somewhere down the road we're going to be talking about a big catch-up thing that is going to be more difficult for everybody to deal with. So I, I did encourage, you know, I, whether, whether kind of, I don't know what kind of a level of materiality you work within your budget, but $1,000. Well, I think our concept was 24000 a couple of years ago, and then we wean you down. <laughs> so the gap is growing already. But uh, we'll uh, take that into consideration. So your request is 24000 plus the uh, cost of living increase. Yeah, and, and if in your budgeting system you use a, you know, a, a sort of cost of living adjustment factor, I think that would accomplish the same thing. And can we count on your uh, support to uh, twist the arms of the provincial government and get some more funding for the town? <laughs> yeah. right. I, I, I think our chairman probably should officially respond. <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh, go ahead, Ms. Downing. So you're talking about a 45000 shortfall, and I get that the budget is soft. It takes a while to figure that out. Now, you mentioned that you haven't nailed down your lease agreement or your working relationship with North Peace Housing. So would that be considered as part of the shortfall or external of that? What does that actually look like? We put a number in there that we thought was reasonable for that. Okay. And that, that's what we came up with, including that number. Including that number. Yeah. Now, we, we uh, like I say, we're in the process of uh, sorting that out. Uh, 
there's been there's been a change in management over there, and that's where we've kind of uh, uh, altered it in terms of what was happening before and what's happening now. We're, we're pretty certain we'll get through this here. The mic back sure. over. Did you give him the mic backwards? Sorry. So there are at least a few veteran bases that, if you think back to the MOU that launched the project, there was a there is a provision in there essentially for what I would call an infrastructure maintenance and renewal fund to be established but by North Peace Housing and the Rotary the Operating Society. So there's uncertainty around what the contribution rate to that maintenance, infrastructure maintenance and renewal amount should be per year. And that's that's really what has to get sorted out. We, we don't want to get in a situation where 20 years down the road we need a new roof or a new furnace and there's no provision been made for it. But at the same time, if we start reserving too much money, we're going to run into the problem of, it's, it's, it's hard to secure funding when you have extensive reserves. So it's a question of what's an appropriate reserve fund to carry for the needs that we're going to face 20, 25 years out. And that's what needs to be sorted out and it's sort of stalled out for the time being. Um, thanks for the presentation. Um, I know that the um, locum students, there's four of them that come each September and I'm assuming that uh, they would have been part of the group that added to the September numbers there. So I know that um, when we're trying to attract physicians and so on into town that we do keep mentioning Rotary House as you know something that locums can stay at to help the regular doctors and all sorts of things. So it's a very good project and continues to be that way. Thank you. The support we've had, the support we've had from Alberta Health is actually getting <coughs> sterling. Um, the, everybody in, in, in the hospital is, is on side and, and seems to be directing people that way. Mr. Good, I'm fine with that. Councillor Needham. Uh, just uh, very quickly, uh, but, uh, Richard and Dave, uh, thanks for coming. Obviously, you're hearing my voice and my. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not in town this evening. And uh, I guess I'd just like to say, you know, it's, it's great to hear the report. Uh, you know, thinking back a number of years of planning that I was involved with it, and then of course uh, the town participated in a number of the fundraising events, and, and they, I don't think I'll ever forget the uh, the evening uh, where somebody suggested we take some capital money out of our joint capital fund. So uh, a long, a long, long period uh, back to 2012, but it's it's great to hear the report, and I'm exceptionally pleased to see the AHS is using some of those rooms and there's some revenue. So uh, Good on you guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Councillor Yes, thank you very much for your presentation. Um, just looking at the occupancy rates, and I see the report stops in January 2020. And uh, just from your comments, um, there's quite a number of students that are that are using the facility. 
Well, January 2020, this might be an oddball off the top of question, but that's the same month that uh, we lost SCED service in town. Is, do you think those numbers are going to maintain even though, or is that SCED service going to affect the numbers? I think that it, it will affect the numbers and it has, it may be affected the numbers because uh, we were looking at a steady increase up to, to, the, to that point. Um, and we were worried about that. Uh, but uh, what seems to have happened here in January, and, and we don't have the numbers here for February, but they continue on, uh, they seem to be finding alternate routes to get here. Good. Uh, which is encouraging. Now, I, I, I suspect that some of them are not, and we're missing some of those nights, but I can't tell you how much that is. I can only show you what we've, what we've achieved. Thank you. That, that issue of scheduled air service certainly has been on our mind. I'm sure there's no point to read, you know, it's been on your mind a lot more than ours. <laughs> now, now and then. Um, I think our probably, I, no, no questions from the town side, probably the, the North Peace housing side will be uh, a conversation that we'll have soon and, and get that sorted out next. So uh, one other question, you, you mentioned that you had already approached the other councils. So what kind of reception did you get? We, we get a, a, good, a good reception. Uh, we've, uh, we've kind of fine-tuned our, our fund, fund ask, uh -huh. uh, but we had to go through experience to get the fine-tuning on the fund asks. And, and we're, uh, I think we'll be better at it next year than we were at it this year. <laughs> So are, is that your way of saying you didn't get any money from? No, we, we, got, we got some money, but uh, we didn't get what we had asked for. Okay. And how much did you ask for and how much did you get? Sorry, I'd have to look at each one. We, asked, uh, we had different asks or different, uh, oh, okay. and, and I don't have those numbers with me. One, one of the learning experiences for us is that when we're talking with the town of Peace River, we're talking primarily about accommodation for medical services. When we're talking to the other rural municipalities, we're talking primarily about accommodation for patient families. And the data's all together, but they are kind of somewhat different discussions. So, well, so you go well out beyond the, the tri-county area. You you go to Mackenzie, you go to um, Saddle Hills, or? Well, we've gone to Northern Sunrise County, which yeah. includes a, a lot of Northern Territory. We've gone to, to Manning, which includes a, a lot of yeah. Northern Territory. I don't know if we've gone anywhere else. Uh, those are the two that I went to. I don't know what, there, I think there's another. Just for your information, I'm pretending to be Terry Sawchuk tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, the way we structured internally is I haven't been part of the uh, municipal presentations. Um, so I can't give you any kind of history or background because I wasn't involved with any of the others. But, but I do think it's worth noting that we really, as, as we grow as an organization, need to have a different conversation with our rural municipalities and the outlying municipal authorities than the conversation we're having with, with the town. And one of the interesting questions 
going forward is maybe how we involve AHS in this discussion as well. So I, I don't know how that will unfold, but I think we need to all be thinking about it. Okay. So do some of these other towns uh, have rotary clubs that you could spread the word through your club? Actually, not the the only other Rotary clubs in the in the region are in Grand Prairie. There's three Rotary clubs in Grand Prairie, and I don't think we get another one until we get to uh, Slave Lake. Fairview. There's one in Fairview. Oh, there's one in Fairview. That's right. But Fairview isn't really a big part of the Rotary House public accommodation dynamic. There, there could be some public people coming from Fairview, just like there are public people coming from Fort McMurray or Edmonton, but uh, I don't, no, it's not a big factor. Okay. If there's no further questions, uh, I'll uh, thank you for, for uh, coming and making your presentation. Well, we thank you for having us. We really appreciate uh, the opportunity to do this. <coughs> Mr. Tom, I uh, see that there's, uh, I understand we're in unfinished business budget, budget deliberations. We heard a presentation from Peace River Rotary House, but I'm wondering if we should run through the new business. Those three items seem pretty quick to take care of, and uh, we'll take a quick recess after that, and then come back for the grind. I, I hate to call your budget a grind, but that's really what it is. It's, it's a grind time of year. It's scintillating. Uh, yeah, albeit a scintillating grind, okay? If you'll bear with me for a second, I just need to quickly access the agenda again. Um, before council, there's a, a couple enabling motions. The first one is an invitation from the Peace Energy Cooperative, um, which is a grand opening and ribbon cutting of their Peace River office. So council has been attended to invite the cooperative's grand opening on Wednesday, February 26th, and a couple days from now at 11.30 a.m. Um, this is an organization that we are closely working with to try to bring a solar facility um, into town or town property. Um, so staff are uh, recommending that council be enabled to attend the cooperative's grand opening and ribbon cutting on February 26th at 11.30. 11.30 in the morning? Yes. Okay. And February 26th is what, Wednesday? Wednesday. And where is that at, Craig? 
Hey, where are their offices? The old. Uh, They're right beside Al Shwarma. Or Al's donor, rather. Mr. Mayor, I would. Are you looking for a motion to enable council? Yeah. Uh, I would put a motion on the floor that council attend the Peace Energy Cooperative Grand Opening on February 26. So that would make the motion for, for anyone that's available to attend. And who is going to attend? Okay, we've got two. I'm at work. Yeah. Okay, great. So All in favor? They're they're getting they're getting enough money to rent office space and also, is this from their like investors uh, or I assume so. This would be again the, the so the cooperative is the group who is uh, trying to come up with their portion of the funding, which is substantial. They've clearly received enough funding at this point through again membership or other means to be able to open an office and potentially staff it. I'm not sure quite what their business plan is, but um, th these are their funds. They're not our funds, provincial funds, or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Communications coordinator did uh, meet with them and indicated that they're planning on proceeding with the project with or without the provincial grant. Wow. Impressive. Okay. Um, so we'll uh, so that uh, motion has passed. Uh, we will now go for the second uh, second item, uh, which is a, the Norse Peace Performing Arts Sponsor, sponsor re Reception. Yeah, so this is another uh, enabling motion. Council has supported this organization through their grants to groups um, application recently, and this is to partake in the donor recognition um, of which they provided some tickets um, <laughs> uh, for the donors concert and reception on Saturday March 14th I uh, don't have a time in front of me it's 2 p.m. thank you at Athabasca Hall and council or, or staff have put forward a recommendation that council be enabled to attend the uh, North Peace Performing Arts Festival festival sponsor and donor concert and reception on March 14th well better than the Ides of March, I suppose. Uh, who's going to make a motion to do that? And that do, are we, how many tickets do you have? We have 10 tickets. Oh, okay. So, okay, all in favor? And who's actually going to go? Uh, I'll plan on being there. Saturday the 14th. I'll have to send my regrets. That's my mother's 80 if I miss that, and I'll be not a popular son. Why can't you uh, take her there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so we we have two, the, the two culture ma mavens of the council will oh, attend. Uh, and the, uh, and well, the uh, my daughter's performing. So I'll, oh, there's a oh, so sufficient you're going here for your well, entire I'll, family to attend. Oh, goodness me. Okay, there we go. Uh, so I don't know if she's going to do well, but she's performing, so hopefully that will So there will only be four barbarians standing down. Uh, request 
So that motion is passed. Uh, we now have a request on the Franco-Alberton flag. Yeah, so council has received an invitation for the mayor and or council to attend the flag raising ceremony on Friday, March 6th at 1 p.m. at Ecole Cotteropt. Um, it's the 11th edition of the Franco-Alberton flag raising ceremony to commemorate the many faces of Alberta Francophonique and is an event council has attended in the past. So staff is recommending that council approve a motion to enable. And this is at their actual school, is it not? That's correct. And uh, they're anticipating in the February 27th budget that there will be an announcement regarding uh, uh, possibly a new school. Franco-Alberton Well, um, so we have ICF, but does that start at nine and we can take a break or? Um, we're scheduled nine till noon and then one till four. We could perhaps start at one ten. Yeah, either. well, they usually make a thing of it, so I need it before, so. Well, we can say um, one o'clock plus cost of living increase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, who, if I can't attend, who, who would be able to attend? I'm also not in town. I'm at work. Um, how about somebody from community services? Yeah, since they just stepped out of the room, I think that's a perfect... I see that stuff. I could go. Oh, you can go? Excellent. Yeah. And you can, and you can put another new building behind your name. Well, I, I, I hope so. Oh. No, I can, uh, I can do that. Mercy. Okay, very good. So the motion is passed, and, uh, and uh, Councillor Needham uh, may very well be leading uh, uh, the town's efforts on that one. I see there are no reports. Uh, information, there are, is, are no letters of information. Uh, I take it there wasn't a notice of motion filed? There was no, Your Worship. And uh, I don't see anyone in the gallery. Well, before you go too deep towards the end of the agenda, you yeah. mentioned a recess and then back to unfinished yeah. business. Yeah, I will go back to, I was thinking we'll knock these off here. Commun communication items. Um, I will have a recess now and uh, if the press wants to ask uh, about any of the uh, items we've discussed so far, 
uh, they cannot purchase during the recess. Okay, recess, 15 minutes. Reconvene. You ready? Reconvening. Okay, thank you, Your Worship. Um, budget deliberations, we're back for episode three of budget deliberations. Three and a half, something like that. Um, so as you know, we've broken the budget down into several decision packages um, as we've gone through. Uh, right now there's a summary, if you look at the screen that I'm showing on my monitor, which is if approved right now as is, um, we're looking at approximately a 3% increase in required tax revenues, which um, then equates to a 3% increase in um, average resident or um, tax bills. Um, and we have achieved this even though we have lost about $290,000 in provincial funding this year. So again, a fairly substantial hit. Um, we're able to mitigate those, those impacts um, but to achieve uh, or to continue providing the services that the town does and provide to the same level, um, we do need to look at revenue or tax rate increases to, uh, to offset provincial reductions and other cost elements that comprise our, our budget. Before we go too far into this, I will share with Council, um, within your deliberation binders, there's some new information there. Some of it we won't get to this evening, but I do want you to um, just be aware of under tab one, which are comments received, communications received, questions received. Um, there is some new information here. Our deputy mayor has um, been conversing with, with staff members, so we are sharing uh, her questions um, with you. Again, they're, they're pertinent and, and good general questions, so we thought we'd share those. Um, to see or to show what staff responses have been. Um, and then at the last meeting, there was a question from Mayor Tarkey where he had asked, what is the balance of our, our water reserve fund? And that is shown on the third page. There, I'll, um, I'll go through this really quickly. Um, at the end of 2018, and that's when we last had our approved financial statements, uh, the water plus sewer reserve fund balance stood at 900 and there are $797,790. Uh, there's a continuity schedule shown below that, which has budgeted withdrawals from the fund to the operating fund, budgeted transfers from the operating fund into the reserve, scheduled capital funding of $135,550, and to just confirm or show that to council where that number comes from, I took a snip of our 2019 capital budget, which shows those funding amounts and what projects they're attributable towards, um, with the projected ending balance of $853,480. Again, a little conditional on what the actual uh, capital funding will be, um, but it should project to be somewhere around there. So again, moderate increases. You do like to see your reserve balances. Um, be utilized and we are utilizing them to fund both operating and capital projects. We are showing marginal increases um, and again you know really trying to get into a situation where we do not 
uh, deplete the fund any faster than, uh, well, I mean, depleting its core practice anyway, and try to eliminate or reduce reductions to, to the reserve fund. Um, that, that amount right there for the amount of uh, infrastructure would be lying to water and sewer is, is fairly low. Um, we had a, a pretty significant jump from 27 to 2018, um, or within, yeah, that's right, within, sorry, within the 2018 budget, there was a, a jump. We did fund for some capital or debt work that happened that year. That didn't, so the money remained within the reserve. That's generally been backed out now, and that's helping us pay for Reservoir um, 365. Um, but again, the, the uh, reserve balance is uh, slowly increasing. There's other additional information, um, and these will be service level discussions relating to the Chamber of Commerce and their request. Um, Rotary House's um, presentation is in there, and we could have a discussion on that later, plus um, capital item information provided by Director Bell. So is there any questions on any of the information so far, um, whether previous meetings, current information received? This is an opportunity to... Uh, so I was busy putting my tabs together here. So where's the uh, where's the water? Um, In tab one. Tab, tab one? Yeah, it goes under tab one. Update. He's here. had been identified before the, the change right now that we're looking at is approximately seven dollars and 33 cents per month on a house assessed at three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in the town which is around our average value for residential property um, you know which are fairly marginal increases for the level of services that are provided uh, that by the town the cost of living for me that's, that includes the cost of living? Yeah, that, that includes all the, the inflationary pressures that the town's feeling, the um, impacts of the provincial budget and all those reductions, um, plus the totality of all the um, budgeted items, positive or negative. So are we assuming that this is the number that includes, assuming that we approve the approval of the uh, service level initiatives for deliberation? That's correct. If service level amounts are changed, or be reduced, that would reduce the the uh, what about increase. Well, no, it would stay the same. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just as an adjustment, so I flipped over to the service level change items, and again we had identified 
um, a previous council approval for the property tax exemption under our, our community property uh, program. If I just put a number here and I'll put $5,000 just because it's a nice round even number, it doesn't mean anything. Um, you'll notice up top here the change is $88 and or 3%. If I approve this, that goes to $89 and 3.1%. So this is assuming all of these service level items are approved. And if they are not, so for example, if we go to, I don't want to choose any of these, um, we'll pick on the casual public works laborers and we eliminate those. Um, then we go down $12 on a tax bill for that property or property that was identified or a 2.6% increase. And, and this includes a $12,000 decrease in library funding? No, or it does not. It, it shows it. Um, but that's why it's not approved yet, because if approved, um, it would go down that 1% or the $3 a month for the, for a sample property. Um, but staff didn't want to presume that If that the decrease be, was uh, uh, included, okay. Yeah, so right now it's maintaining budget or library budget. So again, we're, we're showing it as an option for council consideration, but we have not removed it from the budget because yeah we don't want to put council in that position where you know it kind of increase a tax rate or tax amount to maintain a, a funding level and and of course I appreciate that Greg and I do recall that from not last week but the week before uh, but tonight we were asked by Rotary House to consider cost of living increases yeah. now we're looking at a three percent that's based on our decisions regarding service levels. Some, some obviously, um, you know, some close accounting for our expenses. Uh, but is that equal to the cost of living? Like that three percent? Like what is that number that we're actually looking at? Well, three percent is the aggregate change in our budget, and the taxes, the tax revenue change needed to accommodates all of those budget changes so just so you're aware Alberta CPI in December um, I think that's kind of where you're getting at um, was 2.3 percent yeah so again looking at that consumer price index which is an all goods basket um, was 2.3 percent um, I've said before and I'm sure you've heard before um, Inflation for municipal municipalities, uh, it's a different basket. It tends to be higher. Construction costs, cost of professional services, consulting, and whatnot, they tend to um, involve goods or, or services that do have a higher rate of inflation than typical. So this may be slightly off topic, but I'm gonna ask it anyhow. So when we're, so, I mean, I think what Rotary House is saying, um, even though I don't want to get started on a, how I think that Alberta Health Services should be kicking more into that pot because it feels like I'm paying for their services twice, but that's a whole other topic. But, uh, but we'll give you a soapbox if you want to start. And you know what, maybe I need one. Um, but my, if we're expecting, expecting isn't the right word if we think that it's appropriate for us to do the CPI slightly higher being a municipal situation of inflation 
Are we looking at some of our other services? And I apologize, Tanya, I'm bringing it back to the taxi service, which I think has gone up significantly higher than that. Um, like, I'm just wondering because I have an employment relationship with a negotiating partner with Rotary House. If I should absent myself from the discussions around Rotary House. Um, I, I'm not asking that we should consider their request right now. I'm using it as an example, Don. I'll pick a different oh, example. Okay. Okay. I'll pick a different example. Just because I'm not sure. Right. Um, so what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that, is it reasonable for us to consider that across the board? Is what I'm, is what I'm asking. It is an option. Um, if you did want to look at the organizations that we support and say it is reasonable that we do look at inflationary factors that are similar to the ones that we experience. Um, but there are other factors. And again, I'll just use Rotary House as an example. Um, Rotary House is still a fairly new organization um, and they have not yet been able to leverage um, their position um, to go to other municipalities and try to uh, obtain funding for the services that support um, their residents. So, you know, when we had that discussion, um, you know, I kind of heard that, you know, by us doing our contribution and there's um, pretty minimal contributions from other municipalities, we're again subsidizing those those residents or or municipalities. Um, and that's our decision. That's I'm not saying that's good nor bad, um, but to give organizations an increase um, when they should be doing what they can to find other revenue streams. Um, you know, I don't quite know where the balance is there. Okay. You know, there, there's, there's pros and cons to, to consider it that way. Okay. Thank you for asking. answer, which is no. <laughs> 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 He's disinclined to acquiesce to your request. It is difficult because we are funding at a level that, you know, there's not, you know, reciprocal funding from other municipalities. Um, you know, we'd like to see, I mean, I'd love to see a situation where Rotary House is able to kind of define or figure out some formulaic approach to uh, determining what people should contribute and, and try to get concurrence for that. But, you know, that's would be very difficult and or impossible for them to do. So, you know, it, it's basically ad hoc funding based on whether, whatever they're able to achieve. Okay. So this 3%, $88 sort of, um, it, it does or does not include any expected um, payments we have to make to new debt or will that come into debt the year after kind no, of? No, it, it does build that in to the equation. The The vast majority of our debt to date is on the water rate and that's something we had identified last meeting um, where there was a 12.6% increase to the water rates um, that is due to a couple of major influences, one of which is the debt for Reservoir 365. And, and that debt on that reservoir, um, did the 
no longer includes any expectation of funding from the feds or anybody. There's, there's provincial. There's provincial Is funding there? of approximately a third. So what were we turned down for then last week? Um, those were the federal yeah. portions, which has run through the province. That's why we received notification from the province. They're the ones who administer it, but it was a federal um, portion. So I'm, I'm not positive off the top of my head uh, what program we have received the provincial funding through, but those ICIP grants um, were for the federal portion of, of the projects. Okay, thanks. We were funded through the Alberta Municipal Water and Wastewater Fund, which is administered through the Ministry of Transportation. So, were you leading us down some path tonight and I should wait and ask my questions in a bit, or what was the plan? So, the plan is um, just a really quick recap. Um, so, we've discussed the base budget and, and the pressures there. We've had that conversation. We've done the same with water and water rates. Um, Director McQuaig wasn't available at the last meeting. If you do have any specific questions, um, he's available to answer them, but uh, we gave a general synopsis or overview of, of the pressures there. Tonight, what I was hoping to do was to get concurrence on the proposed capital budget, and I'll talk about that for a few minutes. Um, that'll be the third decision package, and then ultimately the final hope is uh, the final decision package will take place at the next meeting on March the, the 2nd. Those are service level initiatives, um, and you'll see as of right now, there's only about four or five, so um, that'll be pretty straightforward, and there's nothing substantive there, so, you know, um, as a group, we might be able to, to get through them, but there will be, as I said, um, some presentations at the meeting uh, next week, so that'll take up a little bit of time. Um, and then once we have all this information, approval of the base, um, base budget, water rates, capital budget and service level changes. Staff will have enough information to go and uh, return a recommendation for, for approval of the budget, which will first identify our gross budget, required tax revenues, um, and then utilize that information to bring back the tax rate bylaw sometime in April. So like I said tonight, the focus will be on the capital budget and approval of of the capital projects for 20 or 2020. So, barring no other questions, Councillor Porter. Yeah, just a question for Mr. McQuaig. So last year uh, we had budgeted for the the paving equipment. Whatever, I know we talked about it a while ago. Whatever happened with that, and where is that sitting, and what was that amount? So the amounts there for the paving equipment uh, were. My budget gears. I don't remember. It's it's not in this book. I don't have my last my year's budget, book here. But it's about thirty-seven thousand for uh, the one piece of equipment and. Seventy-five thousand for the paving equipment and twenty thousand for the milling equipment, and some of that uh, those capital funds were uh, kind of deferred uh, to pay for the sludge press, 
so we use some of that uh, funding for to offset uh, the increase that were incurred under that. And because we said that uh, at the end of the day, you know, the paving and mill equipment is something that we could defer to a later year. So the ninety-five thousand, what's what's left of that from the sludge press, or? I would have to go back and do the reconciliation, tell you how much was used for that and what was offset. Okay. I'm just curious to see what what numbers left from that equipment or yeah, that what was budgeted for. Okay. Wasn't there also a consideration that the plan might change for that paving equipment? <clears throat> there was, uh, and that was part of uh, talking uh, between from the old superintendent to the, the new superintendent, and just uh, just a different philosophy in uh, what we were going to achieve uh, with the staff that we have and their abilities uh, to do that paving work. And so that was the other kind of uh, reason for kind of deferring that decision this year into a future year and give us some time to actually kind of evaluate if, you know, if we buy that equipment, can our staff actually operate it? And does it make more sense just to contract out that portion? And so what did you decide? <coughs> so for this year, basically, uh, the decision was to use some of that capital funding to offset other projects and those project costs and defer, uh, purchase that equipment to a future year. So that way we didn't have to uh, you know, go in for uh, a further debenture at this point. So just, just to clarify, and I'll step in now, um, those projects were not completed in 2019. They were not included in 2020. So the funds for those of which some of the money would have been from MSI funding, I believe, um, transfers from our own reserves. They would just remain in those, but they're really used to fund the 2020 capital program. They're not really substantive enough to kind of move the needle in any way. Um, I'm gonna discuss soon about our capital funding. We have about $4.5 million of our own controlled funds, of which is our capital reserve, MSI funding, gas tax program, offsite levies, um, utilization of debt, um, um, uh, neighborhood infrastructure program reserve or funding. Um, and again, with the reduction of our MSI money of 160,000 this year, about 10% of our allotment of 1.6 million, you know, even though those projects were, were not utilized or, or funded in 2019, we, we've had to use them to maintain the funding of, of our $4.5 million um, allotment of town controlled funds as we get into 2020. So, oops. so the capital budget has been presented within the proposed budget book. That's table 31 on page 86. Um, again, these are staff identified projects based on a financial um, request from council and that was to um, put forward a, the most comprehensive and prioritized budget based on our availability of funds and I'll flip down towards the bottom of this. The way that this is set up shows the total funding for a project, 
the next column over is discretionary funds, which for lack of a better word is funds that we control. There is some discretion in how they're utilized. Dedicated funds, which are funds from other sources. Um, in this case, provincial sources, and you'll see, um, well, this doesn't have the reservoir 365 that was approved previously. Um, and then the final column here is other funds, which is um, funds from other municipalities, in this case, that we hope to achieve through, through uh, discussions and, and approvals from them. So we have identified that we could spend about $4.5 million worth of projects in any one year. Um, and within that amount, we could capture these projects within the 3% tax rate increase um, that we're, we're looking at. Any changes to these amounts, um, we would have to find the funding for. Um, and right now, based on our existing balances of either MSI, gas tax, or internal capital reserve monies, um, the most logical or probably only option we have at this point is the utilization of debt to fund these. And again, it's it's a 1.3 to 1 ratio, so um, if there's a project of $1 million worth of uh, project work to be done, that's debt repayment of 130000 per year to be able to, to afford to do that. Say that again. It's 1.3, so a $1 million project will cost approximately, and depends on prevailing interest rates, about $130,000 over a 10-year period to repay. So you're paying $1.3 million for a $1 million project. Yeah, it, it's the actual number is probably a little bit less, um, probably about one hundred and twenty-seven thousand. But the one point three ratio is is a recent or a reasonable enough budget amount to, to go off. It would cost about three hundred thousand dollars in interest to borrow a million dollars over ten years. You said That's or twenty. Correct. Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. We usually borrow over ten or over twenty. Uh, it depends on the project, the the size and scale of the project. We. We do try to align um, the life cycle. Um, so again, like our reservoir, um, that was over a 30 year period because that's an asset that'll be in place for more than 31 years, I would hope. Um, and I would say, you know, at least 50 or 60 years. Um, pipes are generally 20 years. Um, vehicles and that type of stuff would generally do over 10 to try to match um, lifespan. The only person who gets 10 years out of their vehicle is Councillor Stemmel. I buy it when it's already over 10 years old, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sure thing, then. You want me to find you your next one on Kijiji, I can do that. <laughs> okay. One question, just for a refresher, where are we at in terms of our debt limits at this point? Just as a, a rough idea. Uh, it does talk about debt limits within the budget book. I'll refer you to page number. And for those following along at home, on page 83, that talks about our long-term debt and debt limits. Right now, we are approximately at, and I'm not showing the percentage, 
I should include the percentage. Um, in 2020, we're going to be at about 60% of our, our borrowing capacity. Um, it is looking to slowly trend down, but again, that is subject to us constraining our capital budget to debentures of approximately $1 million a year, which is hopeful that we are able to do, but if the past is any precedent, um, it's difficult to do because things pop up, uh, such as sliding hills or urgent infrastructure replacements that will possibly necessitate the use of debt to because my memory from last year's discussions, and I could be totally wrong, but my memory from last year's discussions is that the the kind of a once-in-a-lifetime events that we had at Bouquet, um, I mean, the, the, the once-in-a-lifetime events that we had a, a bunch of kind of thing, like the sliding hills stuff, took us a fair ways into our debt. So we had to incur a fair yeah. amount of debt to cover and, that. And the multiplex. And the Again, multiplex. a once-in-60-year right. build. <clears throat> My, and this is more a comment than, than anything else, is that I'm, I'm getting leery of, I'm getting, <coughs> I'm getting with the economy the way it is with what, and this is just my own perceptions of um, readily available funding opportunities coming to the municipalities or to the province in the next short period of time. And I would say by the next decade, unless something happens where we get influxes of dollars, provincially, whatever, or municipally, we're going to start really impacting on those debt limits. And that just is starting to make me a little bit leery. Yep, I, I would 100% agree. I think the availability of external funds at the federal or provincial uh, level um, right. will shrink or be less available. And something I pointed out every year during discussions of budgets is we're not maintain we're not gener we don't generate enough revenue regardless of how we do it every year to stay ahead of the game. In other words, we don't have enough money to be um, in terms of any any kind of realistic thing. We're not we're not keeping up with the with the infrastructure deficits that we have. We're not addressing the infrastructure deficits fully that we have. We don't have enough money to do what's the word feasible over a, over a long period of time. We just don't have that. And I don't think you've ever corrected me on that statement. Um, and I won't this year. Right. So I get I guess get uncomfortable doing budgets when. Like I say, you know, you're, you're, you're fixing your house, but you're, you're not addressing the gutters, you're not addressing the roof, you're not addressing the paint, you're not addressing this kind of stuff, and, and we're calling it balanced budgets when we know that there has to be at some point in time a day of reckoning. So I'm going to leave it at that, but at least if you have some debt room, you can kind of stop the blade from dropping. Once you've used that up, you just, your, your um, options become extremely limited. Yep. Um, the town is getting towards a state where as growth slows, um, we are going to be able to refocus more on replacements rather than, than new growth or new services. Um, so again, using the multiplex as an example, something we're only going to spend money on you know, twice a century. Um, and this was the time to do it. Now we'll be able to refocus on 
um, other critical infrastructure, possibly more on the water and wastewater side, make some tough decisions about our other infrastructure on the recreation side and how we want to deal with that, um, and probably have very unglamorous, unsexy capital budgets for the next short cycle as we try to to deal with those replacements. That, that answers my sort of question. Wasn't your plan to put some money into Lotto Max this today? <laughs> oh, winning tickets in my wallet. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, this weekend I'll, I'll, I'll commit now. that I will give 1% of my winnings to the town and Tuesdays I leave out the door 1% <laughs> so at this point like if I have a question about meter read software do you want me to ask it or delay it for no this this is the time so you know again you, you got the capital budget it's on page 86 if you have any questions about any projects as I said these this is the staff um, proposed budget that's brought forward. If council has any questions, issues, concerns, uh, reductions, amendments, new items, this is your chance to. So can to I ask a question on 86 then? Are you on, you're on page 86, Greg? Or well, I, I believe Deputy Mayor might be in front of you, Councilor Anita. So, so my question is on, on Neptune. We, we put a lot of money into those rascals. Years ago, when we changed over meters, we bought this fancy equipment, and I, the trick, the light, Windows, Apple product that went with this. So, what, what did the grand for? So, so this is meter read software that you're talking about. What this is, this is the setup and installation of radio transmitters. Uh, throughout town, and there's only a couple of them um, that would enable us to push a button and remotely get meter reads rather than send a vehicle out throughout the town to pick those up over a, a 8, 12, 16 hour, hour window. Um, where it really improves the efficiency is if there's any discrepancies or issues, um, we could institute the meter read from our office or, or whatever location. Um, if someone says, I think I'm having a high meter read or, or something like that, or I don't think this happened, we could we could issue a meter read at any time. We, right now, on average, we, prob or we, we typically average about 50 additional meter reads throughout the, the month. Some of those are for new services. Some of them are for people who are moving out. Since we do our reads um, on about the 18th of the month, um, that doesn't line up with when people are moving in and out so you know we have to do a whole bunch of, of additional reads on on the first or second of the month when people are moving in and out uh, what this would allow is uh, just creates more efficiencies to be able to to do those those reads without having to take the resources to physically go out and get them does, does that answer that counselor or is there anything else a month water meters and then when we did this I, for some reason I had in my brain that we have half technology in it already we were done done bunking and stuff so I, I know what it is you're trying to, to do I just I under the impression that we are we were already doing this and, and it was built into the program that we bought it was it was a okay. I was surprised to see no we have to physically uh, transverse around the town to 
to pick up the meter reads. Um, I don't know the exact time, but it, it takes up to a day. So we got new meters, those, is it Neptune or something or other? Yeah. Or was those old ones? So we got new meters for most of the uh, facilities, residents in town with certain exceptions. So this is different. This is now software to read those remotely. So we should save yeah. some time for whoever's driving the truck around. Yeah, the main, the main cost are the radio transmitters. These will put a, um, two, perhaps more, radio transmitters in town to be able to to be able to and one of the other thing, the read remotely. And one of the other items that uh, this helps out with is uh, the meter reads not, are not so much the issue is when we have data log requests from residents requesting uh, to pull their meter data to show them you know their, what their actually water usage is. There's a lot of times that uh, and it also allows us to when we note uh, if somebody's got a high meter read, so somebody's uh, got a, a toilet running or something like that, we're able to catch it a lot earlier. And because right now it usually waits until the end of the month when the, the resident gets their bill and they're kind of really flabbergasted about how high their water bill is because they've let a toilet run for 30 days while they're on holidays. So this allows us to kind of catch those events a little sooner and then also be able to take that, those data logs and give them to residents to show them what their actual usage is. Tom. Even so, to the fourth time of the day? Yeah, thanks Jim, I, I, I understand what you're saying and I agree. I just, I had it in my mind that we had this ability all the time and I know on a website it seems to me if you go to the town website, uh, there's even a form that where you can actually request the data. So I, I thought this was all taken care of, but uh, obviously not. Yeah, right now we have to physically go out and get that data. So, okay. Good. Uh, Fair enough. So on the data logger, uh, when you get the data in, you can show a time trend? Yes, we can. So in you 10 minute intervals? It's uh, 10 or 15 minute intervals. Yeah. So you'll be able to tell when I flush my toilet. Okay. To so the software would automatically um, say, uh, by the way, resident X, uh, there was a spike for three days. We should go to resident X and tell them something. That's correct. Yeah. And just to be clear, and I did change it on the spreadsheet here. Um, <laughs> Meter read software, even though it is software driven, is a bit of a misnomer. In this case, we're talking about meter read radios and infrastructure to support the software and infrastructure that we already have in place. So uh, I know that we've had a bit of a challenge with some of our um, tractors this year for a snow removal do we need to consider some of that in some of our capital budgets uh so originally this year we we're looking at uh purchasing a loader although you know and that's something the director in town and I are kind of working through right now on finding you know different ways that we can help fund our heavy equipment on a longer term basis uh, one of the programs RMA now has is a, is a leasing program set up for heavy equipment 
and something that Director Town and myself are investigating and looking at if that is a more viable option long term for some of our heavy equipment needs because you know frankly like the two hundred thousand that we have in our budget that will buy us a used loader. You know, the brand new loader is closer to two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand depending upon uh, the class of loader that you buy. When we go to look at graders, we're between probably about 350 to 450,000 depending upon the class grade that we purchase. So these large uh, purchases, you know, uh, we either purchase them under the capital program or we may have to uh, look at kind of rolling that more into the operating side. But like I said, uh, Director Town and I are kind of looking at, at that program overall to see how we can make that work or and you know what makes sense overall does the the way that we purchase heavy equipment right now make sense to go forward and keep doing it like that or is are we at a point where we need to look at alternative solutions so if you go to the leasing side like the few vehicles we're giving that a try on so that goes to operational costs rather than capital costs that, that's my understanding, yes. So, over and the long... You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Director Town. Uh, nope, that's correct. It's a shift between the two budgets. And what does that mean in the end to the taxpayer? Much? Um, <coughs> it's not much... Well, we, it's potentially not much of a change. So what it does is, um, for example, under the leasing program, we'd have to reduce our capital budget over time. So right now, I've identified we could spend about $4.5 million. Um, let's say we're leasing um, 10 new pickups, just as an example, every year. That costs about $9,000 under the lease program. Um, so we'd have to reduce our capital budget from 4.5 to $4.4 million, so 100000 to capture that, um, you're going to save money on repairs and maintenance. It's probably not a one-to-one -one relationship, um, so you could probably you'd have to increase your operating budget probably by about sixty thousand to to offset the difference. Um, I've kind of been working through this in my mind. A really good way of explaining it. I think I need to properly map it out a bit different. Because um, as Director McQuaid mentioned, we are looking at what options are for other pieces of equipment rather than pickup trucks or, or light vehicles. And to be able to see and explain what the real impact is. At the end of the day, um, you are going to pay a bit of a premium for leasing vehicles because you're going to have new vehicles um, over time. Um, but it also depends on the status of your fleet, how you maintain them, if you you know, if you're going to have a vehicle in, in the town tends to have vehicles longer than 10 years, um, we kind of go to that 12, 13 year old window plus a little bit. Um, yeah, that is ultimately going to be cheaper than leasing, um, but you have kind of insufficient uh, equipment, equipment you can't rely on. Again, we're sort of seeing that on the heavy side. So, you know, your availability is of having the equipment is, is harmed a bit but you've signed up for a certain payment schedule 
like you, you're committing to that payment schedule rather than having some up or downs depending on you bought a capital item or you didn't, which would have gone, have some spikes if you ever pay it off, I guess. Yeah, um, and that, that is one of the benefits. You are gonna avoid having those, those repairs and maintenance spikes on your operating budget um, for the certainty of, of uh, a monthly or annual payment for, for that equipment. And again, it really makes sense for um, probably about half of our fleet at this point, which is older than eight years old. Once you get into the newer stuff, you you know, if you purchased a vehicle, does it make sense to swap it out through the lease program when it's three or four years old? Probably not. Um, when you get towards six or seven, then possibly. Um, and we've done a lot of this work, like I said, on, on the light vehicles, the pickup trucks. You know, how this would impact the heavier equipment um, that's kind of a little more difficult to to determine. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of evidence and information out there on what the typical uh, repair schedule is for an F-150. That's not as clear for a John Deere or a cat motor or anything like that. And and you know, they're more subject to to independent items, right? So that's tougher to say. So I I would say that there's a real mindset that needs to change not just around our table, but for our residents regarding ownership versus leased. There's a whole mind shift that I would say, because we like to think that we own an asset versus we're leasing an asset. Having said that, I need to come back to my question again. Um, we've included 200,000 for heavy equipment. I am, I'm beginning to understand the costs of snow removal in our town. My understanding is that two of our our equipment, heavy equipments, were not working appropriately or at all during this last round of snow removal. Um, don't get me wrong, I used to really pray for snow in November when my team needed to get out onto the snowboard hill, but as a counselor, I really prefer that it snow somewhere in January now. But um, so I, I'm coming back to that question, Jim. Are we looking at a budget here that is still not going to meet that need? So in terms of our heavy equipment fleet, it is aging out uh, across the board. Uh, so both our loaders went down at various points this year. The one John Deere loader, which is the one that we use for snowblower, is back up and, and running, but it, you know, it did take about 25,000 in repairs to get it back up and running. Uh, our snowblower, our radiator went on the snowblower last uh, week, and so that's in for uh, repairs this week. Uh, the one of the cat motor is down and that one there will probably will get it repaired basic function but I don't see that as being anywhere useful for the activities that we do so we'll probably just look to auction that one off and recoup what we can out of that one and then our grader uh, we have two graders and one of them have has been down for electrical uh, repairs which is still being out for repairs so and it's just been kind of a nasty season for equipment repairs all around but you know that's one of the things you, you look at when you get an aging fleet as we have uh, so having said that we do have contingency plans to when we do have a piece of equipment break and during those snowfalls we did uh, use contract equipment uh, from local contractors uh, to help supplement our fleet 
uh, so that way that residents weren't seeing an overall impact in service levels in that regard. So, and that uh, is one of the whole reasons we have that snow removal budget, not just for snowfalls, but there's also heavy equipment uh, rentals that we have to, to deal with during periods when we have equipment that fails during the winter. And typically that's when they fail is, especially during those cold snaps when it's minus 40. I, we don't like to put equipment out on the road when it's that cold because it just breaks. I'll speak to, I, I like, and as I've mentioned in the past, the columbarium thing. I have asked questions about having part of that include a little kind of plaque wall that I've heard other cemeteries use, and they just put, I don't know, Tom Smith, born, died, recognition Tom Smith well, existed. We need to talk, we need to talk about that. Apparently, but just, um, there's also these spreading gardens, which I understand more than one cemetery does have. So I know that uh, people have different philosophies on those. Um, I'm also understanding uh, from CBC Radio one day, big thing on crematoriums and stuff like that, that apparently are becoming more popular than the actual um, coffin grave kind of type. So at least I see col a columbarium on there, put it that way. So just to confirm, I did confirm with uh, Susan Martin, uh, who manages the cemetery for me, that we do actually have an area for uh, spreading ashes where people don't want to commit to uh, an actual plot for the remains. So we do have a, a place uh, for that. Uh, we did tentatively uh, look at areas that we could erect a memorial wall, but there would be ad additional funds up and above the amount that's allotted to the collar bearing to do that. Yeah, if we go to a memorial wall, people need to pay for that. Yeah. That needs to be like not a not a, a break-even cost because what all they're doing is it's an advertising. It's advertising for them, and so they're advertising their loved ones, but they're nonetheless advertising for them. So. Oh, uh, they need to pay. Uh, they need to pay a premium for that. And, and we could definitely factor that into the, the price of what we charge for uh, a spot on that memorial wall. Is this memorial wall in your mind something that's on the same thing as the columbarium, or is this a separate wall? Is it like a part well, of that? Well, um, my thought was that doing the columbarium then at either end perhaps okay. you stick plaques on but apparently that might not kind of work yeah so the plan for memorial wall like the columbarium is set that you actually inter remains into the more excuse me the memorial wall basically the concept there is uh, if you use the scattering gardens because you don't want to pay for cremains plot and just scattering the ashes in uh, a communal plot is uh, they could do that but still pay for a little plaque as a memorial onto a common wall and also uh, any former residents that are maybe buried in another location they could also put up a memorial plaque and piece of it 
because I've actually had uh, residents ask that particular question too. Jim, can you hear me okay? Yeah, call me again. You're breaking up, Counselor. You're kind of breaking up, Counselor Needham. Any, any thoughts given, please? Uh, option. You're breaking up. One every four words. He's he's not breaking up. He isn't coming through at all. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't know what your question was, Donald. So you want to try again or what? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening. I, I can I can hear the uh, I can hear the air quite well. Jim, I was just curious on the call here. What was there any thought to, to pre-selling uh, some of the uh, the slots? Well, or, or could you do that? Yeah, that that could definitely uh, be done. You know, once we've got the commitment to having that wall there, we could pre-sell pre-sell those uh, spots similarly to selling plots. And we could also pre-sell the column barium spots as well. All right, good. Thank you. Okay, next question. Just getting into the fire department stuff here that uh, number for the frontline fire apparatus to me looks a little light for the equipment we actually need. So the budget's replacing uh, existing lake for lake uh, piece of equipment as can be uh, afforded within the budget. So my, uh, my understanding was, well, the, the piece of equipment I'd like to see is the the replacement uh, fire apparatus or the pumping apparatus, which we have to do this year, but to have that, now's our opportunity to put the the aerial on it. Because, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Tim, but if we go to replace, the next time we have the opportunity to purchase would be in approximately 15 years when we have to replace our frontline apparatus again. Yeah, that uh, would be correct. Um, we are due to replace our frontline uh, unit. They're only should be replaced at 15 years. We're currently at 17 years with our frontline unit and uh, 29 years with our second line unit. Um, we have the same issues that uh, Director McQuaid has with public works equipment. Our fleet is aging and the maintenance costs, especially over this last year, uh, are increasing and we've had trucks out of service for uh, periods of time bringing in trucks from the county to support us. Um, as you're probably well aware we, we can't have our fire pump trucks out of service for any length of time. Um, the, the requirement for a ladder truck 
has been on the table for almost 30 years. Um, the firefighters, the fire underwriters survey, uh, which was conducted in both 1991 and 2010, recommended a, a ladder truck for the town of Peace River. So almost 30 years ago. Um, part of the, under, the fire underwriters survey uh, recommendations is, is areas that have buildings with five or more buildings over three stories, three stories or more, sorry. So including three stories, uh, should have a ladder truck. Um, communities with high hazard occupancies, such as schools, hospitals, nursing homes, other high risk areas, um, should have at least one ladder truck, possibly more. Uh, and there's many other advantages to that ladder truck, not just in, in rescuing from higher buildings, but also fire control of high buildings, large buildings, uh, you know, hard to get to fires. Um, safety of firefighters as well is paramount. Um, the only serious injuries that I've seen in the 30 years I've been on the department have come from uh, two of our firefighters uh, falling off a roof up there trying to uh, cut the roof to uh, control the spread of a fire. Um, having a, the kind of ladder capability of putting the ladder up on the roof would be much safer for the, for the firefighters. Um, So we, we've had that need for quite a while. If we don't get that this year, you are correct, Councillor. Um, the next time the opportunity would come up would be in another 15 years. So we need to replace our frontline unit again. Well, one of my one of my concerns is is we're one of the uh, the larger centers in northern Alberta. Um, now I did I did look around. So, uh, for instance, Lacrate has a unit. High Level has a unit. I do believe. Sexsmith has a unit, and High Prairie. Correct. Yeah, correct on all of them. Yeah, but like like I say, one of my main concerns is like with the rooftop rooftop operations, it, it does give you the ability to get that over that overhead uh, stream. That especially when you're looking at all of these large box stores that we have. You mentioned the hospital, uh, the new medical center, places like that. So. For the for the line item for 750 to get to 1.2, it, it to me it just makes sense to make that purchase now and and get get the equipment that our guys need to do their job properly. As we're having the cost of these uh, units is only going up, so the longer we delay, this was looked at I think both before council possibly in 2015. Uh, the cost of the unit we were were looking at was. Uh, 1.08 uh, at that time. Uh, currently, a similar unit today, and the one we would really like to is actually closer to 1.4 million now, uh, and only going up. Um, it is based a lot on the American dollar, um, which is same with most tech equipment, I think. So. Well, how about this, Councillor Ford? Why don't you? Uh, so, uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs Casey Madu has said that. Uh, Alberta municipalities spend 20% more than all the other municipalities, the average across the rest of Canada. So why don't you go to AUMA, arm wrestle him, and when you get the, the uh, restored the MI, MSI funding, we'll, uh, we'll give you your ladder truck. Well, I'm definitely willing to have that, uh, that conversation when I'm at Arm. I'll even have the conversation when I'm at RMA if I can. Yeah. 
I'd like to see them take the rural data out of that and run the numbers again, and it might sound a little bit different, but anyways, um, what I, we probably asked you this question before. Um, is there, let's say for example, recently we, we saved a pile of money switching to GEICO. No, we saved money on um, getting a used celebrity somehow uh, snowplow. Is there a possibility of something where we can be a little bit closer to our number value and I understand it shortens the lifespan if you get something that's say three or four years old and that now we can only have it on the front line say for 10 years but is this is this something that we can potentially do there is that potential and you are correct that it then shortens the lifespan on the unit um, I was talking to one of the, the dealers today that I've been dealing with um, and it really kind of says anything much older than the three or four or five years you kind of wonder why they're selling it and you have to be very careful with this type of equipment that is obviously a lot more life safety potential um, in getting a bad one um, there are options he was currently looking at some lease deals with other fire departments so maybe you get something back after a two-year lease um, that could be at a reduced figure um, so that is something we can look into again obviously buying new is better and then you have that for the 15 years and that's just the front line you still have it for another 10 to 15 years after that so, so the amount of use that the fire trucks get they do have a lot longer lifespan than other large pieces of equipment so Greg if you what what are you what are you saying the uh, new vehicle would cost us 1.4 million as opposed 1.4 yeah so could you throw in 1.4 and see how that affects my number? Yep, um, absolutely prepared to do that. So that would be the difference between 750 and 1.4, right? 650. Yep. 650. Oh yes. Which is 1%. So you're looking at 6.5%. Essentially, like really, right, right? Well, I don't want to presume what the number is. Um, well, it was kind of. So just keep these numbers in mind, right? Right now we're showing, based on the balance of the budget, about an $88 difference or increase to a house assessed at three twenty-five, dollars um, which is 3%. So as I go over here and make changes, I'm now increasing our debt from $150 on this piece to another $650. Um, it's a eight tenths of a percent increase. It goes from our tax rate uh, revenue would have to increase by 3.8% instead of 3%. So it's almost a, a percent difference. And that's, uh, so 88 to 110 per month? That that's, one? no, per year. Per year. Yeah, so it's about a $2 additional difference per month. That's correct. I believe the original number was 733. Now it's about 917. And that is that is the impact if it's debt financed, which again at this point um, that's is option. that's our option. Um, there might be the possibility of achieving some extra funds from our partners. That's not guaranteed. 
um, and other revenue or funding options for firefighting equipment are limited. Um, I will also say this is a consensus exercise at this point. We're not doing approvals, but we're looking for ways to, to come to agreement. Staff brought back a budget that was based on the 4.5 million, but if council wants to do something different, um, that's entirely within their rights um, to do so. And, you know, this, I just want to show you what the impact is. So when we were proposing the new multiplex, we sort of created our, our budget and said this is where we're at with our tax increase, but this is what we're extending it to be to include the cost of the multiplex and the multiplex operational. Is that, is that, would that be something we could do in this case? I mean, although I teasingly said I would support Orrin in this, honestly, it, it doesn't make sense for us to replace our existing equipment with something that actually isn't meeting our needs as it is. Am I alone in that? It's, it's, what do you mean it's not meeting our needs? Well, according to what yeah. Chief Harris said, it, we should have better. We should have a lot We should have this a while We should ago. have? <laughs> so should, like, no. that's not a must. But it was, we were assessed in 20, what did you say, 2000 and 2010? It's in 91, I think. I think it's been a couple. Oh, God. And 210, that, that as a community, we would need this. Who was that assessment done by again, please? The uh, fire underwriters survey. Don't forget, you've got a snowplow you want to replace. <laughs> I haven't forgotten. Like you you have a shopping list of my, the length of my arm. <laughs> and I appreciate that you keep that finger on reality, Your Worship. <laughs> But well, it, but that's what it comes down to is. Uh, yeah, it's a risk. So uh, I don't know if. Yeah. So it's getting out of a tall building. That's yeah. also kind of a risk, <laughs> I suppose. I don't live in a tall building, so I don't have to worry. I guess. But like, like to me, I I don't I, I'm okay with paying paying the extra dollars. I didn't even put in money for uh, for your snowplow, but I'm only paying for my own goddamn house. I'm not going to pay for every all all uh, 6840 6, other forty one other individuals that live in this community. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm not saying that. I'm right. I'm suggesting some other alternatives to. Uh, and so, what would that alternative? Be? Well, that we take it take the fire apparatus and. It, and extract it from the current budget and say this is a separate thing, similar to what we did for the multiplex. So like report it on its own little line on the taxes? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing when you but were- But the multiplex is not reported on its own little line. No, it's never. Never was. But that that was the thing is is what you what the message the message was like a mill of this is for that. Yeah. So, so one Tim Hortons coffee a month no, is going to uh, get us, you know, from everybody is going to get us the ladder. Mr. Town, so if you were if you were to leave the seven fifty, on the how would the, the that number look if you left the uh, the budgeted seven fifty, 
and then the difference debentured. How would that look on the tax? That's what we're doing. Same. Oh, okay, right. same thing. Yeah. Okay. This, this is debentured money. Okay. Over 15 years, right? Uh, I did it over a 10-year period. Oh. Um, well, I'm supposed to have a service life of 15 years, though, right? Um, no, uh, up to 30 years. This, but uh, the front line equipment is 15, but it can serve oh, for... Oh, I see. Yeah, it just goes down to your second line. And how old so, is our second equipment? Four four years years so your current second line is 29 years old. Yeah. So the second line, when the second line's re replaced, you don't have to get another ladder truck. You can, just get it with I a pumper. Can I ask that Rick Council please use your mics for so Councillor Needham and audio can. So, um, uh, uh, Mr. Harris, um, what extra um, operational? Uh, dollars would need to be spent in order to train people on this new equipment or or whatever that side of things are so there will be uh yeah training re required for the operators um but not a huge operational expense um it's really just another course that we would do. so it would be dealt with within the present yes budget so my com my comments here that I was making to uh, Councillor Scamahorn was, uh, if you do the replacement of the the frontline apparatus now with an aerial unit, so when that second unit is due for retirement, you said it's 29 years old, then once that unit is due for replacement, then you replace it with a pumper, not an aerial, and then your aerial becomes your second line but still operational. Am I correct in that? Yeah, so if we replaced, if we had a ladder, a new ladder now, then our first line, your current unit, the 17-year-old uh, unit would become our second line unit. Yeah. The current second line unit, we'd probably put into reserve as a backup. Um, and then in 15 years time, you're correct, the ladder would become a second line unit and we would be replaced at that time with a, <coughs> a regular engine. So this is a one in 30 thing, yeah. which. <coughs> so now. And that's my argument, now's the opportunity to do it. And we've needed this piece of equipment for quite a while. But we, but we've been managing five for the last 20 years, so the last 30 years. Well, and if we've, we've all been paying into our life insurance policies too, and here we all are, alive, wonderful. Um, this is the converse to that. Um, are there storage issues with getting this particular machine? We can't just park it anywhere. So we'll kind of get it, we're looking at we'll fit in the current hall we're leasing on the West Hill, and that would be its place. There are, um, they are continuing improving these uh, ladder trucks aerials. The, the, the newest one they have uh, is shorter and uh, short in height as well as in a length, which may fit in the downtown hall. Um, that's currently 1.8 million. <laughs> hey, a new shop and 400,000. I mean, there you go. Right? So, there's that. Okay, but the present one. Where does it fit? The present, whatever it is we're trying to replace, that one, where is it being stored? 
The current front line unit is yeah. in the whole downtown. Okay. The current second line unit is in the whole on the west hill. So if we were to do this, possibly the the first one goes to the west hill and the second one stays where it is now as the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a role reversal. Just because calling it the frontline unit doesn't necessarily mean it's the first truck to go. Yeah. Uh, it just means on looking at it from a capability that the town has, the first line unit is with you know is not older than 15 years old. Um, depending where the fire is, what the situation is, it's operationally we decide what what equipment goes. Uh, but it is still capable because it does have a fire pump and the hose and everything on a water tank, um, that it is function as a regular fire engine as well as an aerial. So I guess if this was to be approved, I would want no surprises that it doesn't fit within a building that we have. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the, the 1.8, it's shorter, but it costs more. So what, it's got more chrome on it or what? Jeez. <laughs> Uh, a lot of it, the, the engineering going into creating uh, the truck that has the same capability and a, and a smaller design. So, uh, where where is the County of Northern Lights on uh, the ladder truck? They were big on it four years ago. They, I don't think they have an appetite for it right now, do they? I don't because know if that's been a part of the discussions. So. So just a, only one board of seven, so. so just as a statement then, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chief Harris, but if we would have had a ladder truck or an aerial apparatus at the time of the daycare fire, that would have made a difference? Well, yeah. you, you, it, you're talking a bit. You're talking a fair-sized building. The fire was in the center of the building, and you have a you have an elevated stream. So, well, same with the brick, and same yeah. with mag. So, the issue with buildings like that is once that roof is compromised, then we don't put firefighters inside the building, yeah. and we don't put firefighters on the roof. So, I was at that fire for 17 hours trying to get it out. Um, so that well, not just me. We had firefighters and engines running for 17 hours to get that out. An elevated stream above that building right over the seat of the fire could flood that fire, could have things uh, wrapped up a lot more quickly. And what is, with that building, in effect, we had to let it sort of burn itself out, burn enough of the roof so we could get the water into it. So um, it went well, safe you, operationally you, a lot of time and potentially parts part of a building could be saved. <coughs> was lost. Well, you could put in a number and uh, and then uh, send uh, Councillor Ford out to the other municipalities and get him to twist their arms to come up with a difference. And you've got a year to buy it, right? That's my next question. Was it, what, what's, yeah. what's the timeline that we need this thing parked in the garage? The other one's 29, it has to be closed out after 30. 29 years ago? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I, I was in grade two, so 
um, obviously once we go ahead, it's the uh, they told it to the, the dealer today, like they are a fairly quick turnaround on these, but it would still probably be a, a year to get it. Tech Resources might have one hanging around. <laughs> Okay. Well, you, we can put money in there, and uh, the difference. Well, you can put the money in there and uh, see what Councilor Airport can do in terms of uh, bake sales, raffles. One, one, one more question: Is this? Uh, let's say we get this piece of equipment, will it have any considerable impact on anyone's fire insurance? Like, say, around two dollars a month. <laughs> I should. I think the reverse of that is if we don't, it could well, be the opposite. Yeah, I understand. So I'm just saying. I guess what I'm saying is, is what's the return? The the, the 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 actual taxpayer might net zero on this thing, and in 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 the end. Yeah. But. But that, that's the, I guess that's what he's asking me. So can we... Uh, can we sell that? In the, cause, well, we're the politicians, so we, if we make well, the decision... we don't sell it. So no, but you understand what I'm saying. Can we communicate that? Can we communicate that effectively to our people saying, like, look, yeah, we, we, we threw an extra percent on the tax this year. It gets us this, and there's a, that's all. Well, but the underwriters, the uh, insurance firms, they set your fire insurance. So, if there's a, so can we, so can we get a number where you, you know, we go to a number of them and we say, okay, if we get a ladder truck, um, is there a, do we, would our residents see a deduction or would they at least see a stabilization of the rates for the next X number of years? But our insurance people usually ask, where's the nearest fire hydrant? They never ask, does your town have a fire truck? Yeah, they do. I think the other big question they ask is, do you have a full-time fire department or do you have a volunteer fire department? They also ask what the response time is, right? And, and all that comes out in that underwriter survey, and, and yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's been 10 years since the last one, so. Um, if another one was done and we don't have that in place, then there probably would be some increase in the, the risk level for the insurance companies. And, and so they would put that up uh, based on ha not having a fire, a ladder truck. Can we, can we get an, uh, an idea of? So, are you scheduled to do a underwriter survey? Uh, not at this time, but it is something I can uh, can look into. Does it cost? Uh, not sure. Because at least we could show uh, an, an increase in service. Yeah. Or justify it now. <laughs> Well, stick it in, I guess. Maybe you should do it over 30 years if it's gonna last 30 years. Well, so again, we're working on the consensus model here and um, 
if it's okay with council, I'd just like to see um, not a formal vote, but just you know a yes or no if you want it in as a group or out as a group or to be maintained as a group, and then we could move off of this. Um, I will I will fine tune the funding. Look at doing it over a 15 year period to a map to align. Um, you know, it's it's best usage. Uh, for example, uh, the other funding, um, we will tweak that because again, in our discussions with our two, um, fire protection is a little tricky because, um, for example, we don't really, our fire protection is separate from Northern Sunrise County. They have their own, they have our own, so um, they may not and they probably would have limited interest in, in funding something like this. Um, because they wouldn't immediately see the benefit, even though it could be called out as a mutual aid um, apparatus. And I'd have to talk to the chief and see if this is in there as a special item, or because I know like frontline apparatus are in there, but would a ladder truck be different or more under the mutual aid agreement? It's not currently in there because nobody has one. Okay. So we could set the rate at whatever we want. Yeah. That sounds appealing. <laughs> so, so the other, uh, so the MDFP says a lot of large yep. warehouse type buildings between here and the airport. Uh, absolutely, they they have several commercial buildings that they would have an interest in uh, keeping protection. So that's something that we could we could do this as a little bit of a contingent. So, uh, do you think the the provincial prison would be interested in saving the inmates? Uh, yeah, 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 I'm not answering that. <laughs> Some wings more than others. <laughs> no. No, uh, but, but you would think that they would they would welcome a ladder truck in the area. But uh, but we we know how negotiations with provincial governments go. Yes, they don't drag their feet until we have to make a decision. Yep. But if we're looking for consensus, uh, I agree with Orr, and I think now is the time for us to do it. Okay, so I'll just like I'll ask the question really quick. Those who are in favor of increasing it to the 1.4 million, just show your affirmative. 1.4 million. 1.4 million. Do I hear 1.8? No. <laughs> 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 well, you're gonna have to fit that truck in somewhere. I'm not building a whole new building just to fit that truck in, so it's probably oh, here's our, our full-time guys are here uh, downtown. A, a, a potential suggestion, considering that it's going to be sitting on the West Hill, it would be the only place that it would fit. Um, Northern Sunrise might be more amenable to having it on the uh, east side of the river, and maybe it's worth $400,000 to them. That could get you 1.8. Yeah. I know. I'm just trying to move the ball down the field, guys. Yeah. Because uh, there was some discussion in the old days about uh, sort of extending our fire services out to the shell, at that time, the shell complex. Uh, <coughs> uh, that one's certainly gone, gone quiet, that discussion. But if there was a ladder truck that cost $1.8 million, it could be stored on this side of the river. 
maybe it would be more appealing to uh, to the county uh, of, of sunrises. Oh, oh definitely. As you look at all of the extra measurements. And but but you basically have a year, right? So we would put the money in the budget, and the idea is you have eight months or something to come up with a, uh, a purchase. And during that eight months, we, you could, you and your sidekick or could try to get some money out of it. No, we wouldn't. You said it took a year and a year. That's only, if you, is that if you order it now? I said, I heard quick turnaround and then I heard a year, so I'm just not. That is kind of quick in the, well, in the fire alone. Okay. That's true. So knowing uh, next week that Peace River wants to buy this thing, it would take a year from then, kind of? Kind of, they need that official order before they will. So if it was eight months it. from now, it would be a year and eight months. Because the truck has to be specced with exactly what all our requirements and built, uh, the design built and priced. And, uh, so, are you looking at the same style of truck or the same apparatuses that was demoed up here a few years back? Yeah, pretty much exactly like that, which uh, what high level has. So Tim, where where would you where would you store this, and what about extra training costs? And now that was brought up earlier. Um, there would be a training of the required for the operators, but it would just be another a course we would run uh, internally. Um, we'd bring in an instructor. The cost would be covered under the operations current operation budget. Um, was there any other discussion points or amendments to any other capital budget items? So um, for the uh, sidewalk replacement, um, 75000 gets how much sidewalk replaced? Like is it 10 meters or 2.5? But that's above and beyond what's done in the neighborhood review process. That's correct. And I am looking at the neighborhoods that are look, we're looking for 2020 in the neighborhood renewal. Is that where we're at, Jim? That's what we're looking at? Uh, so the neighborhood renewal, basically, uh, that 1.8 million would cover the, the normal neighborhood renewal program this year. Part of that will be offset and be used for next year since we're using this as a cleanup here. Now the council's been looked at uh, going forward to downtown for next year. So a portion of that would be uh, prorated into next year's neighborhood renewal. Uh, looking at that, we're probably for next year closer to 2.4 million. So, but this year, you know, I don't anticipating on expending the full 1.8 million this year on the work that is outstanding uh, to be completed in the south end. So, part of that would go to offset next year's program. Okay. 
Any other questions on capital projects? Why is there only 32,000 under this station four? That's just for engineering. <coughs> the completion of the engineering for that lift station, which uh, the actual installation would be uh, projected for next year. So this year, basically what we're gonna concentrate under the Building Canada Fund is uh, going, connecting from Shaftesbury, which is just down by, uh, on Shaftesbury Trail you know, by Weaver's Place, and then continuing all the way down through the Citadel lands to connect back into our system on Shaftesbury Trail, just uh, to the south of the CN land. So have we resolved that uh, Citadel? We are working through that with uh, Citadel's owner. Uh, so we're just going through uh, draft area structure plan. We actually have a meeting with him this week uh, to uh, discuss our, our plans. We've kind of gone back and forth and uh, presenting him with uh, some options this week on that. Um, like I said, um, staff will come back with uh, we'll, we'll fine tune the funding for the, the fire truck. Uh, look it over longer period, look at other funding options, report that back to council. Um, and this will kind of wrap up this decision package of the capital budget tonight. We could come back and revisit it if there's other questions. And as I said, further information will be will be brought forward. Um, so with that, we'll leave us is service level items. We'll discuss that at our next meeting um, with hopeful approval. We'll finalization next meeting and approval it on March 9th, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Um, there will be an, an option about making the that project contingent. The when I say project, the the fire truck contingent on some capital funding possibilities I don't know if that's going to be the right way to go but we'll look at, at what that is and try to leverage um, other funders external users that we share or provide services to um, as a way of instead of saying that we're funding it outright try to look at leveraging by by making this little conditional or, or contingent on on other items and see what happens there because again, we've had very, very preliminary discussions with with our, our partners on this and we could um, accelerate that at the staff level and see what the interest is, um, but that'll have to go through the council route at some point for ultimate approval, so. Can you go to that service, services tab? <coughs> so you got the Chamber of Commerce wanting a sponsorship, 5,500, so. Um, four years, uh, probably going six years now. We took 0.25 of a mill off the uh, commercial commercial tax rate. So that was before you got here. Um, it probably would be worthwhile going going back and and telling telling the chamber how much money the business community saved through that 0.25 uh, reduction in mail rate six years ago. 
and uh, because yeah, they can come ask us for money, but it all comes from somewhere. So, uh, <coughs> like we we don't print fifty five hundred dollars and, and give it to them. Like it, we have to go out and get it, and we generally would have to get it out of their taxes. So, to me, it's like. Uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so um, it's, a, it's a bit of a show. Yeah, and we will discuss this and there's information on it in one of the tabs. Um, this isn't necessarily an increase in the funds we give to the oh, okay. chamber, it's a different mechanism. Traditionally, we've kind of funded them between yeah. four to seven thousand per year, depending on instances and they're proposing a sponsorship rather than their current request-based uh, you know means of funding so that'll be a council decision there's pros and cons to to both of those and this will be the option to uh make well, that decision. I, and i'd also like to know what the city of grand prairie does and what say high level you know you, you have your favorite comparison communities I think Goals is one of them. Um, so it's Devon. What? That's the one you really want. Their mayor gets 80k a year. Oh, well, your, yeah. your worship. Uh, if you're talking to what do other communities do yeah. with their chambers, just so that you know, this is sort of the way that the Alberta Council of Chamber of Chamber of Commerce are directing their chambers to go towards because uh, they their admin person spends so much time going out for every single event that this way they have sponsorship that sort of covers the listing of their events it as as greg said it's virtually the same money that we've spent on other years um, it's just in a different allocation so this is the direction that alberta chamber of commerce is directing their their uh well, to, to their don't, membership don't don't forget we we give them a lease for nothing and, and not to worry, Your Worship, it's something I certainly bring up on a regular. Nothing-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're distorting the, uh, the free market system in downtown Peace River. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Greg, you had mentioned in the past, some other meeting, that you were going to have um, the rolling capital budgets uh, for five years or so. That's to come next. Yeah, that, next that'll level. come also. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great. Thanks for your time. Good discussions tonight, and we'll look at wrapping this up in, in the near future. Key communication, sir? Uh, key communication items uh, uh, Smoky Peace River Express. Any. Uh, Hang on, please. And I'm Clark Bloomer, and I hear from our accident, Elizabeth Wilson. Good job, please, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Fire equipment. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Uh,
Uh, and I guess we'll take a five minute break and then come back for in camera. All of staff hanging around.